1: we met Cheryl Sandberg. We met Queen Latifah. We were on the Today Show twice. Like, some big things happened, which, of course, like, brings a lot of really fun moments. But those things happen because people notice. And what people notice is the team.
0: Welcome to Hustle & Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Dana. And I'm Courtney. And we are two sisters who have started multiple businesses together. And yes, it is as messy as you think. Because we know that starting a business isn't easy.
2: I mean, we've done it four times. And on this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey.
0: And this year, we're talking with our guests about three important topics in our entrepreneurial journey, like team building
2: work-life balance,
0: and how to recover from tragedy, both in business and in life.
2: But up first is team building, because we know that as business owners, we're only as strong as our weakest link. We'll be talking about how to build, motivate, and empower your team.
0: And today, we're learning from Lindsay Reg, co-founder of 321 Coffee, a coffee shop and roaster built on inclusion. The Raleigh-based business employs over 50 adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities that roast a coffee, take the orders, and make the lattes. So today, we're talking about what drove her to create her inclusive company and how she caters her managing style to the abilities of her team.
1: Well, Lindsay, thanks for coming in. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're so happy about
2: it. Um, So as we talked about earlier, you are the co-founder of 321 Coffee. It is a coffee shop and roaster that employs individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities, which is so very interesting. Thank you. Yeah. Meredith College, we've... uh, Adjunct professors there, they love you.
1: 100%. Meredith has been so nice to <laughs> us. Yes,
2: yes. But let's talk about like how you got started with that. Like, what's your background? Like, how did you land here?
1: Yeah, definitely no background in either coffee or business. Okay, um, good. I don't, I don't drink coffee, so, hmm. so nothing there. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, started the company when we were students at NC State. So I grew up very connected to this community, and recognized as I grew older, like professional opportunities for people with disabilities is like a big missing part of the community. And I saw that firsthand through a lot of my friends and, but at the same time recognized like all that these people are capable of, they're just not given that opportunity. So that was, that was the vision and started on folding tables with Starbucks coffee and storing everything in our dorm rooms. A lot of friends from college that offered to help. And that was the initial essence of three, two, one. So, like, where did you
2: set up these tables with Starbucks Literally
1: anywhere that would let us. We did some stuff, like, with the NC State football team and Special Olympics. We went to weddings. We went to golf receptions. We were here at Raleigh Founded. We were— all over the place, literally anywhere that would let us as we were just trying to get our name out there, trying to build like a presence and a community. And it was really cool. Every time we would do an event, we would pretty much leave with two or three more people saying, will you come to my fill in the blank? And that was, yeah, it was just a grind. Literally and figuratively.
3: (laughs) Yeah. So what were some of the things that you saw? Like you mentioned that you felt like these people were not giving their full opportunity. So give us an example of that.
1: Yeah, definitely. So one girl that I have been friends with since I was in fourth grade, her name is Emma. Um, She has Down syndrome. And all throughout high school, she had a job at a local grocery store. And when we first started 321 and we were doing these just random events, everyone was volunteering with 321. And whenever we had a new event to offer, Emma was the first to pick it up. And I was always sort of surprised and partially confused as to the fact that she was picking up all of these... Volunteer shifts when she could theoretically pick up more shifts at her job and get paid for it. So at some point, I asked her essentially, like, thank you, but like, why? Mm -hmm. And she said, All they let me do at the grocery store is clean bathrooms. Mm -hmm. And it was like this realization that even some of the people that are getting jobs aren't always necessarily being challenged, they aren't always being given meaningful work. I mean, we are a coffee shop. We've got bathrooms. We've got to clean them. But at the same time, like we've got people, everyone's greeting customers, working the register, making lattes, chatting with the community, um, and being an active part of the team. And that was not her experience at the grocery store.
2: Wow. So it's kind of, you felt like that was kind of a universal experience for many of the people who are able to hold down jobs other places. But
1: Yes, yes. Included. Like a lot of times they were given, I knew of people that were given jobs um sort of in the back of house. Like a lot of times it was doing laundry, folding napkins, helping with dishes, things like that, which again are all parts of a larger ecosystem and a lot of these businesses. The difference was that people with disabilities were only given those jobs mm-hmm. and they were not always given the jobs sort of out in the community when mm-hmm. they are clearly like deserving people that um, belong, belong there too.
3: Yeah. It's okay. that assumptions that they just put everyone kind of in the same box that, and assume that everyone has the same ability level, which is wrong for everybody, but especially when you're talking about that community.
1: Yeah. And I think that's why we would see a lot is that there was an assumption of like, oh, because somebody has fill in the blank, right? Someone has mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. syndrome, someone is in a wheelchair, therefore they can't, instead mm-hmm. of thinking differently about, you know maybe we're gonna do this a little differently than it's traditionally done, but let's get creative and let's think of ways that people can do stuff. like I I remember growing up, I played a lot I did a lot of recreational like adaptive sports and activities and I played adaptive tennis and I remember the first time I played against someone that only had one arm, I was thinking like to myself of okay, well I serve a tennis ball, you know, I toss it with my right hand and I hit mm-hmm. it with my left. And that involves two arms. So yeah. like, how is this person about to serve this tennis ball? And the guy that I was playing against balanced the ball on his racket, popped it up and slammed it like right into the corner of the service box. Like it flew past me and I was like, <laughs> all right, yep, he can serve the tennis ball. Like no problem there.
2: <laughs>
1: Thought you had this unlocked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
3: It's such what you said, like, they think about all the things that they can't do. And it's such a backwards way of thinking for corporate America workers in general, because you're hired because of the things that you can do. Like you're putting forth this resume yes. and saying, here's all these amazing qualities that I have. Here is all the stuff that I am proficient at. And that's what they're hiring, hiring for is the talents that you do have not, and they're not looking at, oh, well, you can't do this. Therefore, we're going to hire you for something, you know, lower or whatnot. And Like I'm just so curious how that – I guess it's really just biases and misunderstanding Mm -hmm. and um, ignorance really by looking at people and not saying what is it that you can do? What are you great at as opposed to, well, this is all the things that you can't do, therefore X, Y, Z. Yeah.
1: I think you're spot on especially when you bring up like truthfully like the ignorance piece. And Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people, if you didn't grow up – with a family member or someone in your school system or your neighborhood, right? It's not your fault. You've just probably never really interfaced with someone with a disability. And so that's a big factor of something that we're trying to change in addition to creating jobs and like the impact that we're making on our team. We're also really intentional about the experience, the customer experience at 321 as a place where you're going to get to know your barista and you're going to chat with the cashier and all of a sudden you're seeing somebody with Down syndrome, with autism, in a wheelchair, with one arm, whatever the circumstance is, you're seeing them really actively contributing to a workforce and to a team and running the show that's making it successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think Mm -hmm.
2: that's, I think that's amazing, which I think also like begs the question, like getting back to your background, like I know that you kind of saw this need when you were in college, but was there anything that prompted you from the very beginning? Like, did you grow up with somebody with a disability? Did no, you? it was
1: Emma and a few other girls that I met okay. in elementary school that were became my first friends. So when I was in third grade, I switched schools. I didn't know anyone, and... These girls invited me to play hide-and-go-seek at recess, and (laughs) that was my favorite game. So we were instantly friends and just grew up with them as a huge part of my life. And what's really cool is that all of those girls now work at 321, and Emma in particular is our only— team member who has worked at every single 321 Coffee location. Um, And she was just promoted to being lead barista as we opened our newest shop in downtown Durham at the end of 2022. So she's a stud. Mm -hmm. She's fabulous. And she's capable of so much. Yeah. it's awesome. I love that. So and then
2: also, this also begs the question of why coffee, which you do not drink?
1: (laughs) Yes. Um, Truthfully, it was because when we were starting, it was an easy way to start, right? All we needed was Starbucks coffee, we could get our hands on that yeah. and a folding table and we were in business. Um since then I've noticed a benefit of being in the coffee industry is the community environment that it mm-hmm. brings and when we were just talking about the importance of bringing people together and like increased representation I think a coffee shop does that so well because people choose to go there to spend time and to meet with friends and to you know it's a part of their daily routine whatever the circumstances and I love especially now that we've started getting more different retail presence here in like the Raleigh-Durham area, um, people choosing to make three two one a part of their day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it does a lot for, you know, this movement just towards more general and societal inclusion. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Thanks. Well,
2: we are talking about hiring a team. So we've yes. talked about lots of different types of teams in this uh, season. And – I love your take on hiring a team. So can you talk to us a little bit about your hiring process, like how you hire for 321? Definitely.
1: So it's it's an interesting position to be in because right now, like, you hear a lot of food and beverage and, like, different, yeah, restaurants really struggling with labor and labor shortage. Mm -hmm. But we are sitting here with almost 200 people on a wait list for jobs Mm -hmm. at 321. So when it comes to hiring, especially if we only have, six, 10 positions, and there's potential for 200 applications, vetting people is is a challenge. As well, most of these people are not necessarily coming with 10 plus years of industry experience. Mm-hmm. Most of them likely do not have any industry experience, nonetheless job experience. But that doesn't make them a bad employee, right? You just need to look for other things to sort of weed people through. So the biggest thing that we look for is somebody who wants to be here, who wants to learn, who wants to be in uh, behind the bar and like be at three two one coffee. Um, we look for somebody who is going to work well as a team. Obviously, in the coffee setting, but in most companies, you're not going to be successful if you're working alone. So you've got to have somebody that can ask for help, can offer feedback, can take feedback and implement it, mm-hmm. and try and try again. And then we look for somebody who is a strong communicator. So, and that doesn't necessarily have to be verbal, but again, building off of that team element, someone that's going to be passionate and be excited to communicate with each other and with the community as to what we're doing and why we're doing it. Um, And then obviously culture and like value fit is something that we look heavily towards. So someone that really is passionate about inclusion and doing business the right way, because a lot of times our staff is going to need to make decisions on the company's behalf. And we want to make sure that even if it's a little thing of that they're thinking the same, they're considering the same things that we are when it comes to how do we make this a space where people feel like they belong and they feel welcome despite any sort of you know, difference that we may have. Yeah.
3: Well, I mean, I feel like that is no different than other employers that are trying to hire their team is very similar characteristics that you're looking for in your staff. Are there like certain ways, like, like, like red flags or green flags that you look for when you're interviewing or, you know, kind of going through that process of weeding them out, I guess?
1: Yeah. And I think you bring up a great point that like, It isn't anything specific to hiring with people Mm -hmm. with disabilities, right? Like, you want someone that's going to complement other, like, skill sets on your team. We really value, like, diversity and diversity of thought and background and perspective in order to, you know, highlight each other's blind spots, and none of that is – caters solely to, like, when you're hiring someone with a disability. So, yeah, I mean, when we interview people on site and we evaluate them in three different ways, um, and we're very, like, straightforward in sharing this before the interview day, but we – we do a, a conversation interview, so that's where we really gauge, like, communication skills, and we look at, you know, if if I ask you, tell me about your favorite food and why, mm-hmm. um, are you going to light up when you speak? Are you going to ask me about my favorite food? Are you going to offer details? Things like that. Um, we then evaluate people in a process-based evaluation setting, so we've got different activities that grow from one another. And the point is not to get through all of them, but it's to, if you mess up, are you going to ask for help? Are you going to feel like if I offer feedback, are you going to feel empowered to try again to get through that? Like, even if we don't make it past activity number two, how's your attitude when you do that? Like, are you throwing things off the table and like pouting or are you like, okay, this is hard, but like, I want to try like I want to get this and I want you to help me get there. So it's different things like that, that I think can really, when you can do your best to like sort of mimic the environment um, of working within a team and under a coach. You can see like how people, like is someone coachable? Does someone want feedback? Does someone want to grow and sort of hit that next milestone? And then the third place that we evaluate is we bring, we do this all on site so we can bring people behind the cafe, behind the bar. We have current baristas that show them around and show here's how I do use different pieces of equipment. And again, we can watch and see um, are the prospective people like interested in seeing what these buttons do? Are they interested in seeing how our team works in the space? Are they interested in knowing how you make a latte? Things Mm -hmm. like that um, to really gauge interest of, Mm -hmm. do you want to be in this environment?
2: So going back to your process, I'm very interested in this. What would be like the first activity for a process-based
1: Yeah. So we would have like um, a bunch of rubber bands and you've got to sort out like blues and reds. Okay. So it's just to see like, can you distinguish between like like following a different recipe essentially. So yeah. all of the different processes are building a different recipe. So then it's like, okay, so that would mimic like picking like a hot cup versus a cold cup, right? Because right. we've got different cups based on the drink. And so then the next one would be like, okay, cool, you can do that. So now I need you to make put a pile of like three blue rubber bands and five yellow rubber bands. So that would mimic like if you order French vanilla in your latte, you've got to be able to p- find the right bottle for French mm-hmm. vanilla and count out three pumps. So mm-hmm. it, it builds on each yeah. other like that.
2: So I'm curious, did you work with like an occupational therapist to help develop this? This seems like very much like trying to get to like what their cognitive ability is to be able to do this job.
1: Yeah, not formally. Um, A bunch of our managers are former Hmm. special ed teachers, which has been like such a great fit for us in seeing that these people are just so like driven to help um, the individual person succeed and oftentimes are looking for a little less like red tape than sometimes exists in the school <laughs> industry. No hate on the school industry, yeah. just just what we hear. Um, and so a lot of them were able to bring that perspective of like, here's some different ways that we've evaluated students in a school setting. Yeah. Um, and so then together we were able to sort of think through what are our shop operations, what are some of those core like learnings and a, a cognitive ability that we need, right? Like it's not that somebody needs to come and be able to make a latte on day one. We can take Two weeks, two months to train up to those skills. But we do want someone that, like we've said earlier, wants to learn, wants to try, wants to grow and wants to be present.
2: What are some of the challenges that you have faced, like when hiring your team? I mean, I know for us personally, like we haven't always gotten it right. Yeah. You know? And there's definitely been some challenges. Like I think one of our early on challenges was putting a person before the team. Like we cared so much about the person that. We were making decisions that were best for that person, but not best for the team. So I think yeah. every entrepreneur has had like challenges along the way. And what are some of the unique ones that you've had with your team hiring?
1: Yeah, a big one that I still am like mentally going back and forth on is that's like the chicken and the egg scenario mm-hmm. of like, you wanna grow and you need more people in order to grow, but mm-hmm. you need the growth in order to fund the people, yeah. right? And so, like, when are you gonna hire? How many people are you going to hire? What are you going to hire them for? Um, And making sure that you're setting up that person to be successful, right? It doesn't do you any good to hire someone for job X when that hasn't happened and they really want to do job X, but all Mm -hmm. you have to offer them right now is job Y. At the same time, like from a business perspective, you've got to make sure that the rest of your team isn't stretched too thin. You've got to make sure you don't have too many cooks in the kitchen. It's just like the balancing act and when do you when do you pull the trigger and do it? And when do you ask a couple of people to do a little extra to get through a tough time? Yeah, I totally, yeah,
3: totally. We totally understand that and resonate with that. I feel like that's us like, goes this is like every year and a half where I feel like we have stretched our team and we've asked them to give a little bit more. And we always give them like, there's something on the horizon. Yeah. Like we are going to be hiring this person and you know it's coming, <laughs> but it is yes. hard because it's to me, everything, it is a financial decision. And it might not mean necessarily that you made too much more money than that following year, but you can recognize like, oh, in order to like maintain the quality of life, my staff wants, we need to have, you know, hire more staff or in order to possibly for us to grow, even us to grow personally. And like the endeavors that we want to do, we had to take more things off our plate, which means we have to hire staff, but it is very hard.
1: And that's also a hard mm-hmm. balance of like a leader and bringing people on and starting to delegate off of you and, and, It's obviously so important to build up your team and to change, like, to delegate and to leverage, especially the skill sets of your team. But yeah, it doesn't make it easy. I always feel like
2: those are hard decisions and, like, difficult times because also you don't want to hire too late, right? Like, you don't want to bring somebody on when you literally don't have the time to onboard them and to train them and whatnot because you're, like, in the thick of it. Right. So it's, like, this kind of delicate timing with, like, when is it?
1: Is it? (laughs) And there's, yeah, I mean, there's no real way to judge it.
2: (laughs) I don't know. It feels like a slim margin to me of like,
1: oh, that was right or that was wrong.
2: I mean, we've gotten it right and wrong Mm -hmm. many different times for sure where it's like, oh, we're overstaffed for this or, nope, nope, now we're understaffed. And it seems like it flip-flops, you know?
1: And then it's also then like, okay, you build up, bring on the new staff. And now like other people's jobs shift in terms of like, okay, now there's new people to like manage and check in on and make sure they're doing well and, you know, it's not, it's not always good enough to just hire someone and mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. You're on goodbye. Like, mm-hmm. um, good luck. Like you've got to, you've got to stay <laughs> yeah. active. I was going to say for us, for like sure. we
3: struggle with timing sometimes, um, because the way our industry works, the timing of the industry doesn't match up to the timing of entry level. Cause we typically only hire outside, like outside of our organization for entry level jobs. Cause most of the time our people are moving up to the higher jobs. Mm-hmm. Like right now we're hiring for an entry level, but seniors haven't graduated yet so all of our like mostly qualified candidates still have two semesters of school but we can't hire them the beginning of may in the middle of our crazy season if we have to be trained before then so there's like all right. of this kind of like juggling in the air trying to trying to figure it out um so sometimes it's just like doesn't lend itself well it's like the industry you're into the timing of what everything of what makes sense for it and trying to work around it <laughs>
1: Yes and you bring up a great point too like I know we're a huge believer in like promoting and growth from within but then you know there's oftentimes that someone does apply that you know you might only have that mm-hmm. entry level job but they want more mm-hmm. um and they're qualified for more but then there's also the you know, how does that mm. impact your team culture if you bring somebody in to sort of overshadow that? Yep. Yeah, it's—hiring it's it's a it's, hiring is not easy. Yeah,
2: we've, we've just run up against that. We had a great candidate, and I'm talking to this person, and I can just tell, like, you're overqualified for the job. Like, I think that you'll do fine, like, for a couple of months, but I think you're going to get bored. I think yeah. you're going to step on my manager's toes. You know, it's not that you can't do the job, but are you going to be what's best for the culture and mm-hmm. the team? Definitely. And I think sometimes when you do have this, like, great qualified candidate for an entry-level job, it, like, creates this imbalance that you don't mm-hmm. want on your team. Yeah. You know, like kind of thinking about the the architecture of it all, I think, is important.
1: Yes, yes. For sure. One time that we were hiring, we were evaluating two kind – Can of sort of came down to two candidates, and one was that exact, like, thing that you were describing, right? It was the person that's, like, on paper is going to, yeah. like – perfect and then some. And it's like, ah, are you too good? Like, are Mm -hmm. you going to get bored? And then the other person had no, we were hiring for a manager position, had no background experience like in coffee, no really like even retail experience. But she said in her second round interview, she said, what can I do to make you want to hire me? Mm -hmm. And it was so telling to me of like, this person wants to be here. Like she wants this job. She wants to be a part of this team in this exact way. And that's who we ended up hiring. Um, and she was incredible. And yeah. so that felt really good. That sounds amazing.
2: For sure. So I'm curious. This is like logistics. I'm interested in the logistics of your business. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like if you were hiring, you know, intellectually and disabilities and whatnot, do you feel like you have to hire more people per people they serve? Or do you feel like it still fits kind of like the normal coffee shop numbers? Yeah, we,
1: I would say um, we definitely have, oftentimes have more staff working yeah. at a time than like a traditional coffee shop would. Um, but that I think is more because that's how we've designed our operations to like, we have different stations, if you will, within the shop. Mm-hmm. So like I on the busiest day, um, when we have like, we'll have four baristas working at a time. And so there's a station for cashier. There's a station for, we call it like barista one. So that person's doing like hot coffee, cold brew, iced teas, um, sort of those like quick service drinks. We have a specialty barista. So that person's overseeing all of the espresso, espresso beverages, um, lattes. Americanos, things like that. And then we have someone running expo. So someone that's like fielding the orders and then delegating like, okay, Ben, I need two hot coffees. Kyle, can you start on three lattes? Like things like that. Um, And then seeing those through to the pickup counter and then the manager sort of serving as air traffic control of just stepping back and keeping an eye on everything. And truthfully, it's just so cool to see like when the shop is at max capacity, like the four people really working in tandem Mm -hmm. and like making it happen. I think what we have found, and everyone's so different, so I don't want to I don't want to generalize like all people with disabilities in the statement. But what we have found in our team, in order to like how we set people up for success, is to try and like batch the responsibilities that someone is overseeing in when they're working, as opposed to making people jump around and multitask. Mm. Um, and so it can be difficult for someone to like jump on the register, like okay, can you come over here and like wipe off these tables, and then can you go over there and like start steaming some milk because I think we fe- see that repetition helps people yeah. and it takes a little second to sort of get into the swing of things. And so that's why we are intentional with how we have these shifts and like these stations so that somebody can, during when it gets really busy, just do this part and do it on repeat and get through that rush. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's cool.
3: Yeah. But I feel like, you know, I know we're talking about people with intellectual disabilities, but I honestly feel like this is just like such a great lesson for all managers and bosses in general, because all of us like communicate differently, receive information differently, do our jobs mm-hmm. differently. Yes. And if we are told to just do it this one way, this this, this this very specific way, a lot of us aren't successful. And that's where I think you see a lot of people like, you know, give up or quit jobs or whatnot, because they feel like they're in an environment where they can't be successful because maybe they are somebody who struggles with um, that multitasking, like they get overwhelmed and can't handle all the different hats that they are being that are being thrown at them. And so instead of saying like, hey, like, how is it you like to work? How do you find yourself to be successful? What is a, a successful workday to you? What does your work environment look like? Which is a question we ask our employees, like, how can this be your dream job? Like, how can you feel yeah. like you can be successful walking into this job? And for us to adjust the way that we assign jobs, the way that we interact with our employees that matches them because it is so personal. Like no matter who you are or your intellectual ability, it's so personal for you to be successful. So I feel like that's like just such a great piece of advice like all around is recognizing, you know, the expectations and how it is that your teammates can be successful.
1: No, I think you're spot on, especially when it comes to that, like everyone is going to have a different way that they work in order for them to be successful. And I think we see that amplified especially during our training. Um, So we have all staff go through two weeks of training and, you know, okay, if we're going to learn how to make lattes, like, do you need to be in the shop standing next to me practicing over and over and over again? Or do you need to be in the shop watching Mm -hmm. me? Do you need to be at home with a video where you've got no distractions and you can just watch this video and pay attention to different things? Do you need written instructions? Do you need picture instructions, Mm -hmm. right? There's so many different ways that people learn. And so when you take the time to really learn what works best for them and how to set them up for success, as opposed to just like, okay, here's your like... video tutorials, like come back in two weeks and like be ready to roll. Like that just one size doesn't (laughs) fit all. Um, And again, that's something that like, yes, it works. We do it and it works really well for like our staff of people with like different types of disabilities. But I think that that's just like human nature Mm -hmm. of like all three of us are going to learn best in different ways. We're going to perform best in different environments. And so when hiring managers can take the time to really invest and learn their people, I mean we've seen the return is that we've been around for over 5 years we've gone through covid we've lost two people um so we see that loyalty mm-hmm. we see that people recognize that they're they're a real part of this and yeah. they're the gear that they're turning is a part of this really larger system um and they're bought in yeah I love that which I think is
2: so important cuz I think company culture is so important you yeah. know and we talk about it all the time we know it's important in business so How do you maintain your company culture and how is it portrayed to your clients in the shop?
1: Yeah, so this is something that I think has, this past month, I have felt so proud of our team for. So we're really big on inclusion. We're really big on people first. One of the questions that we ask during hiring is, um, what is something kind that you have done for someone recently? Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, that's when you're going to see, like, I remember interviewing someone and she was like, I used to be a single mom of three. I received so much help from my community. I'm now in like a really great place in my life. And so every holiday season, I find a single mom in the community and I see like, what is it that she needs? Like, is it diapers and baby food, or is it toys for the kids to open, you know, on on the holidays? Is it clothes? Like, what is it? And I fill that list and I recruit like my community to help fill that list. And I was like, okay, you care, right? Like you care about others. You figure out like how you can use your, I don't know what the right word is. Resources. Yeah. 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 And network and community and position in life to help. Yeah others who are in a position when they need that help. And that's just amazing, right? So all to say that we, we really care about people. We really care about individuality and recognizing that everyone is unique and how we, the best thing is when everyone can be proud of who they are and be who they are to the max. And that's when we can do great things together. And so the past month or two for our team has, unfortunately, there's just been, you know, everyone is going to have a personal life fire that pops Mm -hmm. up, but like very unfortunately, like, everyone's personal life fire, like, <laughs> happened at the exact same time. So we had, like, people out for the count with COVID. We had people, you know, who had family members struggling with mental health challenges. People who had family members, unfortunately, pass away. People just with different, different needs. And it was hard. And it's really hard when you care so much about your people to see them hurting. Mm-hmm. But what was so cool was that every single location, every time, like, every any day, any hour of the day that somebody texted, like, hey, can anyone help? I need to be at home right now. Someone stepped up and said mm-hmm. yes. And that is something that, like, I and my co-founder, Michael, like, we have always had as a really big value and, like, leading by example of, like, we are here for you. We've got your back. And it's something that you hope, you know, other people embody too and take that upon themselves. But truthfully, it's not really something that you can ask. Like if somebody's already scheduled, you know, 40 hours a week or working five days, like, you know, they're absolutely entitled to that time Mm -hmm. off. But to see people stepping up and choosing to offer it and choosing to help and choosing to, I'll work this day for you and then you can swap that for this other person and they'll swap it for me and like just finding a way to move the puzzle pieces so that everyone can do what they need to do was amazing. Yeah. It is
2: amazing. I think it's amazing too in like a part-time community as well. Like we're not everyone's full time. Yes. You know, yes. that is amazing.
1: And it didn't matter. Like right, the people that were full time and the people that were part time, like everyone's priority was like how do we make it so that the mm-hmm. people that need to be somewhere else can be somewhere else. That's yeah. awesome.
3: Yeah. That's an amazing company culture you've built.
1: Thank you. It's something we're really proud of. Yeah. Well, what would you say has been
2: the most rewarding part of 321 Coffee? Like the most rewarding?
1: It is so cool that for me, we started on folding tables <laughs> with some girls that I had been friends with since third grade. So, right, that's like 15 year long friends. Mm-hmm. And together, along with like other obviously like friends and team members, have built a company that has four locations, a roasting facility, over 60 people on our team, like that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen alone. Like we had a holiday party this past year and it was right. Um, we had just opened our Durham location and it was so cool to see like some of the baristas, like from the Durham store that were brand new to the team, like showing up. And it was like, Oh, like, I work at, you know, the farmer's market shop. I've been here for five years. Oh, that's so cool. Have you met so-and-so? They work over at the Pendo location. Like it was it was dynamic. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't just me and Michael and our four friends anymore. Like <laughs> it was a big team with like different locations and people that had yeah. been here for different amounts of time. And, um, you know, oh, my favorite role is do you know make the lattes oh like we've been learning that but i'm still a little nervous like oh it's okay you can learn it like Mm -hmm. you just have to do x like it was just so cool to see the common link between all 60 of these people was three two one and people were happy to be there and they were happy to introduce themselves to each other and learn who the new faces were and yeah it was just awesome
2: that is awesome i love those like Those top down moments in business, because sometimes you're just in the middle of it. Like you're just doing the grind and you're Mm -hmm. just doing whatever, like fire comes up next, putting out, putting out, putting out, putting out, right? And then sometimes you stop and step back and like something amazing happens. Or like for us, I remember it was recently we had a big tragedy that happened and our team just handled Mm -hmm. it beautifully and we weren't even there, right? That's awesome. you, You sit back and you're like, okay, like this is what I built. These people work for me. Like this is, way bigger than anything that I could have imagined, right, yeah. or or hoped for. I don't know, sometimes hope is the wrong word, you know, but, like, it, yeah, you realize that this thing has taken on a life of its own. It's grown beyond you. And know. it's,
1: like, I remember, like, for so long, right, if something happened, like, it was because, like, I planned it, mm-hmm. I got all the pieces together, yeah. and I <laughs> executed it. But now, like— Now you just attend. <laughs> now I had to, But And it's because, like, people are able to yeah. work together. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's no longer, like, I did this. It's it's totally we did mm-hmm. this. And yeah. sometimes it's not even me. Like I'm mm-hmm. not even in the we. Like yeah. um, which is just it's so fulfilling and it's so cool, especially to see the pride that everyone and the sense of ownership that our team has over like what they've done and the contributions that they've made. Um, and I think that's a huge thing that's so important to recognize is like it's not, it's not just me. It's not the Lindsay show, right? It is a team effort. It is a lot of people really stepping up, really working hard to make this successful. Like I said, last year in January, we only had the one location at the farmer's market and we ended with four shops in Raleigh and Durham, a roasting facility along the way. We met Cheryl Sandberg. Mm-hmm. We met Queen Latifah. We were on the Today Show twice. Like some big things happened, which of course like brings a lot of really fun moments. But those things happen because people notice and mm-hmm. what people notice is the mm-hmm. team. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: That's so true. And I feel like you've like said so many, so many nuggets in that last like two minutes of what retention is about. And, and I think that having a leader that is willing to lead and sometimes to also follow their team is so crucial and give them that that sense of ownership and empowerment because at the end of the day, you want employees that feels so invested in, in your company that they almost sometimes love it more than you do. <laughs> and there's many <laughs> right? times that has been the case and it is such a, an amazing and beautiful thing to see. But I mean, and that growth you're talking about over a year, that's insane. That is like,
1: Crazy. yeah, insane mm-hmm.
3: growth. I don't know how you're like awake right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there were some, long not the coffee. Days, but <laughs> <laughs> not for me though. Yeah, <laughs> not for you. That's what I'm saying. Um, But that's the other thing, like, yeah, there's totally the long days. um, But there's also, like, I think Michael and I think all the time, like, we don't really feel like we have a job. Mm -hmm. Like, we just sort of feel like we get to hang out and we get to work on cool things every day. And, like, yeah, we work a lot, but Mm -hmm. it's really fun. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's critical. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
2: thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule absolutely thanks, thanks for letting here. me be a part
1: of this conversation Yes, yeah, it's,
2: it's amazing conversation
1: like thanks for your insight well can you absolutely. let people know right. where they
2: can find three two one coffee you mentioned
3: some of your locations but where you guys are located and how they can support you
1: Absolutely. We'd love for you all to come be a part of our community, whether it's just giving us a follow on social media. Our handle is drink321coffee, um, ordering something online on our website, 321coffee.com. Or if you're local, we'd love for you to come visit in our shops and meet our team. Um, we've got locations in downtown Raleigh, downtown Durham at the NC State Farmers Market. And then unfortunately, the fourth is private. It's in a company's mm. office. But if you can okay. finesse your way into Pendo, you can come hang <laughs> okay. out with us. <laughs>
0: Thanks, everyone, for gathering us today to talk about team building. To learn more about 321 Coffee, you can visit 321coffee.com or follow at
2: drink321coffee
0: on Instagram.
2: And to learn more about our hustles, visit us on the gram at CD Events, at the Bradford NC, at Anthem.House, and at Hustle and & Gather. And if you're interested in learning more about our speaking, training, or venue consulting, head to our website at hustleandgather.com.
0: And if you love us and you love this show, we'd be more than honored if you left a rating and a review.
2: This podcast is a production of EarFluence. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we'll talk with you next time on Hustle and Gather.